0: Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Braddon. Go by SECMike on Twitter. And hey, flying solo for just this little intro here, because we've got friend of the show, Nathan King, from Auburn Undercover. Really great interview that we're going to jump to here in just a second. Talk about all the momentum Hugh Freeze has got building there on the Plains in just his short time here as Auburn's head coach. But, hey, we had some exciting news. You know, you got to be an SEC nerd to be excited by this, but uh, the SEC officially announced the lineup for SEC Media Days 2023. It's going to be here in Nashville. I'm excited. I think this is going to be the best sec media days yet cousin shane and i made the trek down to atlanta for the last one we will be here in nashville covering this one as long as uh, the sec lets us in the door so i can't wait for it and of course uh the event monday july 17th that's when it starts runs through thursday july 20th so um i'll get to uh, the list here in just a second breaking it down Day by day. Unfortunately, Texas and Oklahoma not going to be at this event. They'll be at the 2024 SEC Media Days. But uh, aside from the schedule, that's all that's officially been announced by the SEC at this point in time. Not 100% sure if there's going to be like they were planning to do, like a big event where they welcome the fans. But it's... I mean, it's a no-brainer to get that done. And even... You know, Shane and I were trying to get some things working behind the scenes. Maybe we could have our own little fan event here in Nashville, the great city. It's a great city for tourism, uh, as most of you probably know. If and maybe if you never made the trip to Nashville, it's an excuse to to come, bring the family down for SEC Media Days 2023. And we'll just run down the list real quick. Shane, we'll be back on the next episode. We're gonna go a little bit deeper on all this SEC media days while it's slow. But the event kicks off Monday, July 17th with Brian Kelly, LSU head coach, Eli Drinkowitz, Missouri coach, and Jimbo Fisher, fast-talking Jimbo, down there at Texas A&M. So we got, you know, a nice little warm-up here. It's always good the first day to get three coaches in there, and, and then the thing really heats up. Day two, Tuesday, July 18th. Hugh Freeze, first year down at Auburn. No stranger to SEC media days. Kirby Smart, back-to-back defending national champion. Zach Arnett, Mississippi State. will be his first SEC media days. And Clark Lee from Vanderbilt. So that'll be a fun day, Tuesday, July 18th. Then Wednesday, July 19th, we'll have Nick Saban. For Alabama, of course, that'll be great. Sam Pittman, Arkansas, he's always a good quote. Can't wait for, for that one. Billy Napier down there at Florida. And Mark Stoops, Kentucky, which means Thursday, already seeing the reaction. Save the best for the last. Coaches may be getting the fistfights down here on Thursday, July 20th, to wrap this thing up. Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss. Shane Beamer, South Carolina, and Josh Heupel of Tennessee to close the event from Nashville. Man, and, and I know for, for many of you, SEC Media Days is really the unofficial start of the SEC football season. Of course, if you're listening to this in, in mid-February, college football is never far from your mind, but just cannot wait. A couple months away, obviously, but uh, exciting, exciting times. Here at the SEC Media Days, first trip ever to Nashville. Cannot wait. But all right, hey, so that's enough of me just uh, spieling here. Let's kick it over to this outstanding interview, Nathan King. If you're not following him already, he's a must-follow, one of the best in all the SEC. He does a great job for Auburn Undercover. Give Nathan a follow at Nathan King 247 and there's a link to that in the show notes. Let's kick it over to Nathan. Pleased to be joined once again by Nathan King, who works for the go to site for Auburn Athletics. Auburn Undercover, of course, part of the 24 7 Sports Network. They have an outstanding podcast, the Auburn Undercover Podcast. And you can follow Nathan at Nathan King 24 7 Sports, 24 7, excuse me, on Twitter. How's it going, Nathan? I'm good. How have you guys been doing? Oh, man. Uh, it just never stops. You know that and just when it's, things are starting to slow down now we get texas and oklahoma all that news coming and going spring football just right around the corner so hey we're powering through this this off season that's not really an off season anymore and uh, i know you have you've been going nonstop since hugh freeze got down there at auburn it, it's been a heck of a time covering auburn and i want to start right there with you nathan you know i don't want to sit here and bash brian harson where you know we're kind of done with that but I have to imagine it's like a one eighty with, with your readers, with your, with the, with the fellowship there from where we were at this time last year to where we are under Hugh freeze. Can you sense the excitement in the, uh, in the Auburn family there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, you, know, you might not be done, or you might be finished bashing Brian Harson. There's a lot of Auburn fans who aren't, uh, aren't anywhere <laughs> near done, done with that. I mean, uh, there are some things that freeze has done uh, here in the first couple months that, um, you know, have 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 certainly been impressive, but they also make you wonder in certain areas, what was this what was this previous staff doing? Um, because Freeze came in, he had a he had a competent plan, he had a plan for his assistant staff. Um, obviously they turned around the recruiting really quickly, which was probably priority number one. I mean, if you're Auburn and at any time, you're in the 50s in the recruiting rankings. I mean, that's just not um, traditionally that's nowhere near where Auburn needs to be. And so to get them back into the top 20 was huge, but yeah, you talked about the excitement level. You know, this was even the most, uh, you know, even keeled fan, somebody who, you know, plays both sides will kind of, you know, would play devil's advocate and say, yeah, this was a controversial hire for a lot of reasons. Um, The AD John Cohen has, has recognized that. And obviously Hugh Freeze would be the first one to, to, you know, mention that he's of course made some mistakes and it's the reason he was out of the sec for a long time. But, um, you know, I think there was a portion of fans that, uh, maybe we have been won back over a little bit because, like you know, Freeze's message when he got started was, um, you know, just give me a chance, you know, just uh, you know, keep an open mind toward, uh, toward you know, who I am and also you know what I'm what I could bring to the table in terms of what I can do to help this program. And so far, again, it's it's been nothing like that's gonna you know absolutely knock your socks off and say, wow, this team's gonna win a national title in the next couple years. But to steer Auburn back to that feeling like okay, back to the middle of the pack in the SEC projecting forward the next two or three years, they can start to get up to that, you know, upper tier of the West where they're used to being. It's just such a difference from where they were previously. And so, you know, it, it even if this is sort of the average for Auburn, even if he is sort of steering them toward where they need to be, um, you know, in terms of an average, maybe in, tor- in terms of even a baseline um, it's just such a huge accomplishment because of how far they tanked um, under Brian Harson. So, yeah, I mean, I think I saw this week, win total seven and a half for them in year one under freeze. I mean, that's, that's that's crazy when you think about how depleted this roster was at the end of last season, um, and just how bad things looked. So, um, so far so good. It's very difficult to find areas where Hugh Freeze has not had success since he started at Auburn.
0: Yeah, and and last, I swear, last time I'll mention Harson. You guys also have a YouTube uh, channel at Auburn Undercover, and you guys put out. I think it's titled like Brian Harson Recruiting Horror Stories, and I know <laughs> that that thing got like forty thousand views within like forty eight hours. So. Go check that out if you haven't already. I mean, that's just tremendous content. Uh, But but you you mentioned the recruiting. They're killing it. Um, I I wanted to start, like you said, I mean, they were in the 50s. They finished number 17. And, you know, I understand that that's not going to win you an SEC title or anything. But considering how far they came, that's where it's far more impressive. And they've already got a jump start on the next recruiting class. What can you tell us about four-star quarterback Walker White? number one prospect from arkansas they beat out clemson and and listening to your show i mean auburn was not really even in the mix for for walker white uh until hugh freeze got there and now he's an auburn commit How, how big of a momentum push could that be for the upcoming recruiting class yeah
1: it's always good to get a quarterback especially early on um somebody to sort of build your class around and if if you saw walker white's commitment ceremony um he he has some plans for how they're going to build this class i think he rattled off 13 recruits um by name after he committed he said i'm going after these guys so um that's certainly you know somebody you want um on your side and they've, they've had a couple guys in years past you always want to have that kind of cornerstone of your class yeah like you mentioned that's that's a common theme when it comes to recruits that that auburn is getting right now didn't have a shot under the previous staff um keldrick falk was the guy that uh, they flipped four star defensive end they flipped him from Florida state right before, right at signing day, Um, a guy they didn't really feel good about, but the new staff comes in, new defensive line coach, Jeremy Garrett comes in, does a bunch of work. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about somebody who sets you up for success at that position. Of course um, you know, it's interesting because Hugh freeze has such a, such a good pedigree coaching quarterbacks, but he's not somebody who's been in the league for a while. Um, And so I think, you know, kind of having to run a refresher course a little bit on the kind of, the kind of guys that he's built, maybe, you know, closer to, to you and I, in terms of our, age demographic guys that we grew up watching. Um, but I think when you when you get into the nitty-gritty of it and the, his quarterback development, these guys are realizing um, how successful he's been. Yeah, Clemson was really up there for him, especially after their official visit. I believe there were two or three crystal balls um, for him to go to Clemson after he visited there. Uh, but Auburn made a great push late. And again, getting him in the early stages of the class is big. He's not necessarily the most athletic guy in the world in terms of getting out of the pocket. Uh, But he's got a great arm. He really sort of fits that mold um, of the type of quarterbacks that not only Hugh Freeze has worked with in the past, but there's other quarterback talent in terms of coaching um, on this coaching staff right now. Philip Montgomery is their new offensive coordinator. Of course, he spent the last seven seasons as Tulsa's head coach. Great quarterback coach in the past, Coach Case Keenum at Houston, Uh, Coach Robert Griffin III at Baylor. So those are a couple guys who had a little bit of success on uh, on the college level. And then, look, even a guy called Ken Austin, um, he was um, Freeze's offensive coordinator, excuse me, at Liberty there for all four years. He comes and takes a senior analyst role at Auburn. And basically, the way Hugh Freeze described it to us, it's all quarterbacks for him. Just developing, um, watching tape, studying, being in the film room, looking at transfer quarterbacks, looking at high school quarterbacks. That is this guy's entire job. And again, he spent the last four years being a successful coordinator there at Liberty. So, of course, quarterback is a is a popular topic at any program. Auburn's quarterback play this past season left a lot to be desired. And so, um, again, like we talked about for a lot of other boxes that Hugh Freeze has checked so far, making you feel more confident about the future of the quarterback position is, has certainly been one of them in, in terms of this exact season, you know, this upcoming season, we'll see what they do. After uh, after spring practice, got to think they'll probably go after a transfer quarterback, um, in that window as well after spring practice ends.
0: Right, and so obviously Hugh Freeze in his his past uh, success in the SEC, already having success on the recruiting trail. Uh, you mentioned you know the staff that he's assembled. I can't imagine Auburn fans are disappointed with any of these hires. But you, I I did want to ask you about Ken Austin real quick. Uh, like you said, I mean I think that shows. Just the level of commitment Auburn has to giving Hugh Freeze what he thinks he needs to win in the SEC. We got new facilities. Uh the, the defensive coordinator, Ron Roberts, you know, there was reports he was heading to Arkansas. And they and they I don't know what happened there, but obviously he's at Auburn now. So I would imagine figures were agreed to that that maybe Arkansas was not willing to go to. I don't know. But uh, I, that's just another sign that Auburn is making this commitment to give Hugh Freeze what he wants to be successful. Do you think that uh, he's got all the, the pieces at his disposal, so to speak, for in the years to come to challenge Alabama and Georgia? You know, maybe not, I'm not sitting here saying those are maybe the two best dynasties in recent history, but at least sure. win their fair share of games against those two.
1: Sure. I mean, if you if you're just talking about resources and opportunities, Absolutely. Um, and any coach that was going to come in here and take this job after Brian Harson was fired was going to have those opportunities. Um, part of that is, like you mentioned, the facility, not only is it now a you know, top 10 facility in the country, but it's that novelty, too. It's saying, you know, who, who has the flashiest facility of the last six months that's opened up? Well, it's Auburn. And, and you know, and every recruit that comes in here, says basically it's like a it's like a theme park in there. I mean, we got a tour of it um, and even just the practical elements of it the film study room they have they have a giant room where the entire wall um is a is a tv and basically you can get right up to a to an offensive lineman or a quarterback and you can basically kind of project what they're going to do over the course of a over the course of a game and do like one-on-one basically going against your matchup except that matchup is on a computer screen so just little things like that yeah you're talking about you know advantages and resources Auburn's in a good spot um in terms of NIL John Cohen the new AD was also very clear um, when he was introduced and he's you know, done a lot of interviews the past few months, including on on our podcast last week, um, just going back and saying you know, they, they want to change that just Auburn being Auburn, you know, Jabba is kind of what gets thrown around a lot um, because over the years, Auburn has kind of shot itself in the foot. Um, not kind of. They absolutely have shot themselves um, in the foot, you know, just with a lot of infighting um, and just a lot of stuff from a, from an administrative level that didn't necessarily make a lot of sense. Um, and so actually, when you walk into John Cohen's office now, in the lead up to his office, there's pictures of like, it's like Bo Jackson, Cam Newton, um, Sunni Lee, and over top of it, it says Auburn beating Auburn. So he's really trying to, he's really trying to change that that narrative around. And that starts with, you know, giving the coach everything he needs. not making sure the coach is hamstrung, because that was something that, you know, um, you know, Brian Harsin himself accused. You know, we know that was happening, because when Brian Harsin was in Mexico, he said, hey, this is happening right now. Of course, you know, over time with, with Gus Malzahn, you know, we kind of got the feeling that, that was happening as well. So obviously that's very important to, uh, you know, finding success in the SEC where, like you mentioned, competing with the Alabamas and the Georgias of the world, Texas and Oklahoma are coming in um pretty soon here. In, in and in, I guess this is the last year of the SEC, of the 14 team SEC. And then after that, they'll be coming in. So the challenges are only going to get bigger um for Hugh Freeze. But again, it's all about right now, just feeling like Auburn's in a competent spot. That that's That's the number one thing I think the fan base can ask for at the moment you throw the facilities on top of it, you throw the NIL on top of it, you throw an experienced coaching staff on top of it. I think they've really kind of um, gotten everything they could ask for so far from Hugh Freeze. And, you know, again, like I mentioned, the win total for next year, um, the facility moving forward, the way that they're recruiting, just a lot of positive momentum right now, not only for this season, but uh, but the next couple years.
0: Right. And in today's modern college football, Nathan, I mean, in years past, you'd make a hire like Hugh Freeze, you'd say, okay, in year three, maybe year four, That's when we really need to start competing. But the transfer portal has allowed programs like LSU, Tennessee, to make that transition much, much quicker. I'm already getting Auburn fans saying, hey, can we win 10 games next year? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, let's pump the brakes a little bit. But they have been crushing it in the transfer portal. You alluded to, we may add another quarterback in in the second portal period after spring. But, uh, you know, where Auburn really, really needed some help was on the line of scrimmage and they've done that on the defensive side of the ball. Justin Rogers, maybe the top defensive lineman from Kentucky uh, that was in the portal. Uh, Dylan Wade, the tackle from Tulsa. Gunnar Britton from Western Kentucky. Avery Jones from Eastern Carolina. I mean, all these guys could potentially be plug-in play. How well do you think Auburn has uh, addressed deficiencies on that roster in the transfer portal?
1: Yeah, certainly up there with with some of the best in the country. I believe uh, Colorado has obviously done a great job, Florida State, um, USC, and then Auburn. I think those have been the four heavy hitters. LSU, I believe, has done a good job um, this cycle as well. But Auburn was in the top five of, of the twenty four seven transfer rankings um, pretty much throughout the cycle. And once they started hitting on those guys that you mentioned, um, you know, they they definitely solidified their spot there. It's funny, you know, people kind of talked about, and, and Auburn had was or had or was going to have high level quarterbacks on campus. They got Devin Leary in for a visit. Um, he obviously ends up. Going to Kentucky, the Grayson McCall thing. We'll see if that has fizzled out completely. Of course, you know, it has to do with um, some academics. We'll we'll, we'll see what ends up um, happening there. He obviously pulled out of the transfer portal. Um, They had, you know, they had a couple of quarterbacks on campus that kind of got you excited, um, but none of them really worked out. And people thought back then, okay, well, what they're trying to do is, you know, Freeze is trying to land a high profile quarterback. You get like a Devin Leary in here, and then the rest of the transfers will come. They'll want to play with that guy. They're kind of showing you can. There's you know there's multiple ways to to do this thing. They're kind of doing it the opposite now. They've set up such a great baseline um, for a for a quarterback to come in. You're saying, hey, you know, we added a six a, six you know, receiver who you know was a thousand yard receiver a couple years ago with with your new receivers coach in, in Nick Martner when they were together at Cincinnati. We added three of the top ten offensive linemen in terms of you know regardless of position in the twenty four seven transfer rankings. By the way, I think all three of those guys are probably plug and play starters. Um, right now just because you know as well as anybody offensive line was a was and you know has been for the past four or five years a massive issue um, for Auburn they lose six guys on the offensive line with starting experience but could they possibly even be better next year because you know it's just like returning experience you know if you're returning a bunch of guys who aren't that good does that necessarily mean Auburn was losing a bunch of guys on the offensive line but they weren't necessarily the best um, the best in the SEC when they were here so you know, in terms of a transfer portal grade so far for Auburn, absolutely it's been an A Um, for Hugh Freeze. And and the quarterback, again, it's so interesting now that the quarterback just sort of seems like the cherry on top. And I think a lot of Auburn fans have sort of talked themselves into saying, well, let's just see what they've got going on um, with this room because that's what Hugh Freeze has said. We're talking about Robbie Ashford, talking about T.J. Finley, we're talking about Holden Gariner, which, by the way, maybe Auburn fans should still be excited about him. They were excited about him a year ago when he was a four-star. He's still got that same talent. Maybe he can develop into a into a good player. But look, you freeze said, I haven't coached these guys a lick. Um, I have only watched them on tape and that's kind of unfair to judge them based off of that. So um, but, even you know, he's been he's been honest saying it's a room that needs to grow up. Um, if they want to be an SEC starting quarterback, they certainly have to take it to another level um, in spring ball. And so I think you're probably going to see a situation where I'd be shocked just because there's not a ton on the market of like high level superstar quarterback. You know, Caleb Williams, you can't just find him around the corner. And so. Um, probably going to add, I would imagine after the spring, um, somebody who can come in and compete, not necessarily going to be like a, like a Spencer Sanders. I should have mentioned him as well. Auburn was, Auburn was in the mix room. It's not going to be one of those kinds of guys, but it's going to be somebody where, you know, I'm assuming Robbie Ashford is still going to have the, the the hold on that number one spot exiting the spring. It's somebody where you'll say, okay, I think he could really give Robbie Ashford a run for his money at the same time. If Robbie Ashford takes a couple steps forward, then you could easily see a situation where he's a starter. So, Really, when you look at next season, quarterback is you know, Robbie Ashford, QBR. Um, you know everything that Auburn had last year was the worst in the SEC. But the way they're looking at it right now is honestly, Freeze is like, eh, we'll figure it out. We'll see what we got going on right now, and we'll we'll get the guys we can. But they're more worried about like you mentioned, lines of scrimmage. That was that was really where the rebuild need to happen. And you mentioned Justin Rogers there at, at, at nose tackle coming over from Kentucky, probably another guy you're gonna slot in immediately as a starter there in the, in the middle of the defense. So, um, transfer portal. Yeah, they, they cleaned up. That's, I should have mentioned that a little bit more at the start in terms of, um, you know, one of the positives that Auburn fans have been so excited about the past couple of months.
0: Do you have any idea what this, uh, defense is going to look like under Ron Roberts? I know they bring back literally everybody in the secondary and they've got some talent to work with, but, uh, you know, it, I don't follow Baylor, but apparently it was disappointing last year, but they were incredible the year before. Have you been given any indication of what this Auburn defense is going to look like under Ron Roberts?
1: Sure. Well, for starters, it'll be a base three, four. Um, But, you know, we talked to Ron Roberts a couple of weeks ago. And um, as you know, everything's multiple these days. You can have a base formation, but, you know, um, depending on who you're playing from game to game, even from drive to drive, obviously some of that is going to have to change a little bit. Um, It starts with the secondary, like you mentioned, when you say they bring everybody back, you're not exaggerating. It is every single player who played a snap in Auburn's secondary is coming back next season. Um, wasn't the best unit in the world, but I think they were top five in the SEC in uh, in opposing passer rating. And so did a decent job there. You got both of your starting corners back. Uh, DJ James and Nehemiah Pritchett, they both could have gone to the league. Um, DJ James, I think, was third, fourth, fifth round range. Pritchett probably would have been a day three pick, um, but still a guy who's super fast, might be the fastest guy on the roster, had sort of a high ceiling in that regard. So... Um, that's absolutely massive talking to talking to crime dog Wesley McGriff a couple weeks ago and, and Zach Etheridge, um, you know, they're going to kind of go, they're going to ha- take kind of a dual responsibilities in terms of this secondary Etheridge is going to coach the safeties and the nickels um, McGriff is going to coach the corners, but that's all going to kind of blend together. And so I, I think that's really where it starts. Um, I think Auburn could have a top three secondary in the entire sec this season. And they're really going to need to, because you talk about everywhere else that front seven losing Owen Papo, no small thing. No, he had some injury troubles. That's still a four-year starter. That's still a two-time team captain. Um, That's somebody you're going to miss a lot. And then you lose your top three defensive linemen. We were just talking about offensive line um, where you're losing guys who eh, didn't have the best production. You're losing three defensive linemen that had very, very good production. Derek Hall, we talked about him on this show before. Um, You know, one of the best pass rushers in the league the past couple of years. Ed probably would have been one of the better pass rushers in the league if he hadn't dealt with an injury this season. And then Colby Wooden was one of the most versatile defensive linemen in the SEC. So I i know they got a few guys in the transfer portal, but those guys are not going to be easy to replace. Um got a couple linebackers in the transfer portal as well. I, I it's still going to be it's still going to be difficult. That room doesn't have a lot of experience. Um I'm not even sure who the best player in the linebacking core would be right now. Cam Riley um returns as a starter, but he wasn't necessarily overly consistent last season. So the biggest thing if you're talking about you know goals for this defense that Ron Roberts harped on was havoc rate. Um, that's something that um, he he and his staff really harped on at Baylor. They're three years there. you know, What percentage of plays are we creating a sack, um, creating a tackle for loss, creating a quarterback pressure, or creating a pass breakup? And I believe you talked about that year at Baylor, 2021, they won the Big 12 title um, with one of the best defense in the country. I think you said their havoc rate was like 27%. So more than one fourth of their defensive plays, they're doing something um, to to cause, to cause havoc on the opponent came down a little bit last year. You know, it's funny. I think a lot of people kind of considered the defense at Baylor to be kind of a scapegoat um, for, for some of their shortcomings last year, I believe it was still a top 60 defense in the country. And they lost a lot of NFL players off that 2021 defense. So, Roberts had a lot of success there. It wasn't like they were necessarily, you know, running him off with with pitchforks. I mean, they still had a pretty decent defense there in 2022. So the biggest thing is you, you've got another guy in there um, that I think is a good fit for Auburn and a good fit for what they like to do over the years, because it's another veteran defensive coordinator. I'm talking about Kevin Steele, who's who's now at Alabama. Auburn had so much success with him. He was a veteran guy. He he knew what he liked to do. He relied a lot on his position coaches. And he relied a lot on creating havoc. And that's exactly what Ron Roberts likes to do. Very different schemes, um, but just in in terms of, you know, thinking about how you're going to be successful on defense, I think they have some similarities. So um, again, going to start with the secondary. Auburn needs to get back to being a top 25 defense nationally. When they were succeeding under Malzahn, it was because they were playing really good defense under Kevin Steele. They had NFL draft picks. Is this the year they do that? Maybe, maybe not. I still think they can get to a bowl game without having an elite defense. Um, But they've got a bunch of exciting young players there and they're recruiting really well that over the next few years, like you mentioned, to get back to competing with Alabama, get back to competing with Georgia, um, you're going to need to have a top 20, top 25 defense. And I think they're they're off to a good start in terms of doing that. Uh, I still have a lot of questions about the front seven. and So it'll be interesting to see in spring practice kind of where those get answered and and who steps up at those positions.
0: And and when the staff has an overhaul like it has this offseason on the Plains they kept Cadillac. I mean, that was like a no-brainer. I think fans cared more about that than than who was the – you know, once the head coach, that was immediate. Okay, is Cadillac staying? They got Cadillac to stay. He's, he's probably going to be a future head coach, probably in the near future he did so well last season. And they kept Zach Etheridge, who uh, one of the best recruiters in the country. We, we just went down all the returners they got, so they'll keep some continuity there. How big are those returns for a new staff – to, to kind of have at least some continuity from last season.
1: Yeah, and, and also a guy that you can throw in there is Wesley McGriff, um, veteran, been doing this for 20-plus years. This is his third his third different stint at Auburn. He said he still has the same house that he did the first time. <laughs> he didn't sell it. I, I wonder if – I'll be interested to talk to him a little bit more later on. I wonder if he just thought maybe, eh, maybe I'll be back here at, at, at some point. Um, So, you know, that's a guy that's got familiarity with the program as well. Marcus Davis played at Auburn. He's Auburn's new receivers coach. Um, he's only been an FBS assistant for two years, um, but it was at Hawaii where they had a top 10 passing offense and Georgia Southern. They had a top 10 passing offense this year. So he's done a pretty good job uh, in terms of a young coach. But yeah, keeping Cadillac, like you mentioned, complete no brainer. Um, my buddy, Justin Lee of the Opelike Auburn News, he he had a joke going when they were doing their coaching search. He said it is the easiest goal there is no goalie in the way. Just kick it and get the point. <laughs> Whoever the head coach is, your first tweet is shaking hands with Cadillac and saying, like, let's ride or something like that. He's like, easy, easy points. You cannot miss it. And sure enough, is like the day after Freeze got hired, Cadillac's in his office shaking his hand. It's like, <laughs> you're right. That would have been I could not be- I-, I can't imagine if the new coach hadn't kept Cadillac. I mean, you saw the type of reinvigoration they had at the end of last season. They only won, you know, two games there, and then they you know they lost. Um to Alabama, they lost to Mississippi State, but just the feeling around the fan base was so much different um with, with him at the helm. And, and like you mentioned, you know, Cadillac isn't necessarily um you know the most experienced coach in the world, but uh he impressed the heck out of everybody last, last year and would be shocked, yeah, if he's not a head coach in the next uh in the next decade or so, because he did such a good job. Um and then I'm glad you brought up Zach Etheridge. I think he was a guy who who got a lot, a lot of credit maybe a year ago when they were doing a really good job on the recruiting trail, then things kind of fell off, but he has been recruiting his tail off at every single turn. Um, You look at some of these guys they were able to get at the end here to kind of push them back into that top 20 class. Keldrick Falk, the defensive end. Jeremy Garrett, the new D-line coach, came in and helped, but who was the secondary recruiter? It was Zach Etheridge. They flipped Kyan Lee, a four-star cornerback who was committed to Ohio State. Who's the recruiter there? Zach Etheridge. There's a couple more I'm not even thinking of, um, but he's sort of the jack of all trades. Uh, I talked to him a couple weeks ago. Um, and he said he barely slept during those two weeks when they're trying to t- trying to turn around the recruiting class just because he was helping with so many guys. He's such a great recruiter. Um, and he's done a great job on the field as well the past couple of years. Auburn's had Auburn's had a really good secondary. I mean, that's been one of the most consistent parts of their entire team, I would say, regardless of how good their record has been. So yeah, keeping the Auburn flavor on the staff, that's something that that's something that they tried to do over the years, even go back to Gus Malzahn staff, um, you know, Brian Harson didn't do a very good job of assembling staffs, but even he knew how to you know keep two or three or four guy Auburn guys on it. And so, um, you know, they lean on those guys, they lean on those guys for, uh, for familiarity in the off season, kind of knowing what the place looks like and and knowing what it takes to succeed there. But it's funny. Marcus Davis said he could barely recognize the facilities anymore. Cause uh, he played there from 13 to 16. And he said, you know, there's, there's some familiar faces here now, but he was like, man, my, uh, my locker room didn't look anything like that when, when I was here. So uh, so they're excited about uh, about what they can do for their alma mater moving forward.
0: All right, last thing for you, Nathan, I really appreciate all your time. You're, you're going to be asked this probably every interview you do up until the spring meetings when they finalize this SEC schedule. Let's assume it's a nine game. Let's assume there's three permanent rivals. Who are the three permanent rivals that you think Auburn should be playing on an annual basis in a in a 16-team SEC?
1: Yeah, I think if you're, you know, I, I've seen, I've seen you, I've seen you go back and forth about this with, with people, you know, it's it's been such a fun argument. Um, This offseason, Andy Staples had a great column on it. Um, I think if you, if you don't pay attention to competitive balance, which I know is something people talk about, you know, and you're just talking about the TV product, get Florida back in there. That was a rivalry, I believe, 1927 to 2002, Auburn and Florida played every single year except for the World Wars. Um, and so that's, but, but me personally, I, I didn't go to my first Auburn game till like 2014. That's, that's foreign to me, that rivalry. I, I don't know anything about that, but that used to be the amen corner was, was Bama, Florida and Georgia for Auburn. If you're only interested in the TV product, get the Gators back on there, um, for them. Now, if you're doing competitive balance, because I'm not, I haven't even mentioned it, but we're just assuming Alabama and Georgia. I mean, right. you, <laughs> I don't think you can even think about getting rid of, certainly not Alabama, And I don't think they I don't think they do away with Georgia also because Auburn is such an important rival for Georgia as well. It's not it's not just a one sided thing. Uh, Vanderbilt has been very popular. I don't feel like that's fair, though, to just (laughs) to just say, yeah, give Auburn Vanderbilt because they're bad all the time. And Auburn has to play. Auburn has to play Georgia and Alabama. I think my solution, what I wrote about a few days ago, um, a good middle ground, I think, would be Mississippi State. Mississippi State is the second most played Auburn opponent ever behind Georgia. It's not Alabama. It's not Florida. The second most played opponent in auburn history is mississippi state um and i believe their winning percentage is like 64.1 or something like that um it's been an entertaining series of late and traditionally auburn has a lot of success there so if you're talking about hey get, get auburn some wins to offset playing georgia and alabama but also keep the history you also keep a team that they've they're you know they're they're well rooted against um that they've had a lot of history with i think mississippi state is some good middle ground and, and you're a tennessee guy right i think I think Vanderbilt probably would make a lot of sense for Tennessee because if, if Tennessee keeps Alabama and Georgia, um, then I think Vandy makes a little bit more sense. Obviously it makes a lot more sense um, being an in-state opponent for them than it does, than it does for Auburn. So we'll see how it works out. Well, you know, it's funny that we are doing all this and like, we don't even know if this is going to be the pod <laughs> system they go with, um, but, but it's just really fun to speculate. Spring meetings are going to be, spring meetings are going to be really fun. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what they, what they cook up. My pick right now is, is would be Mississippi state. I think that kind of, Bridges the gap between competitive balance and also making sure it's an opponent you've you've got some history against.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, Nathan, I really appreciate it. Before you go, tell the the audience where's the best place to find all your work.
1: Yeah, for sure. Auburn undercover.com. Um, we were talking about it before we got rolling. Spring practice for Auburn starts February twenty-seventh. So it's uh it's a little earlier, I think, than Hugh Freeze would like, because maybe he'd like a little bit of a break. Um, but for us it's nice because at the end of basketball season we'll we'll go right into. We'll go right into football. So, Undercover.com. You guys can find me on Twitter at Nathan twenty
0: All right, so just will say thanks again, Nathan, for joining the show. Some terrific stuff, some insight into that Auburn program that, uh, you know, is seemingly hitting all the right buttons. I know it's it's early. Haven't coached a game yet. It's, everybody's excited when you're undefeated. But, man, they're off to a great start. And with the transfer additions, with the coaching staff they've hired, there's no reason – Auburn can't do a 180. Again, I'm trying to pump the brakes with people with the 10 wins and competing for the West. I mean, I don't think many diehard Auburn fans realistically expect that year. One, they do expect that eventually, but there's no reason we can't win eight, maybe even nine games if everything breaks right, if we get outstanding quarterback play from whoever that is for the Auburn Tigers. It certainly seems like Hugh Freeze has got – That program headed in the right direction. And we all know the SEC is not as good with Auburn being at the bottom. We need Auburn competing, making that Iron Bowl special, making the Deep South's oldest rivalry, making that thing competitive, and mucking up the SEC West standing. So, hey, I think it'll come sooner rather than later. And with the guys like Philip Montgomery, we talked about the offensive coordinator, he's been Tulsa's head coach. How quickly he got Tulsa going? Check this out. His first year at Tulsa, Tulsa was number 21 in the country in scoring offense. They were number 94 the year before Philip Montgomery took over the Tulsa program. And in his year two, they were number six in the country in scoring. So that's tough to do at Tulsa, but Philip Montgomery, immediate impact when he was at Tulsa. Let's see if he can do it now at Auburn. He was also at Baylor prior to his time at Tulsa. In the last two seasons he was at Baylor. They were number one in the country in scoring offense both of those seasons. Ron Roberts we talked about there with Nathan. I mean, his his 2022 defense was not great, but his 2021 defense was They led the Big 12 in interceptions, turnovers, turnover margin, defensive touchdowns, rate second in the Big 10 in run defense, scoring defense, pass efficiency defense, and sacks per game. You get numbers like that. Auburn fans will be damn glad to have Ron Roberts uh, there on the planes engineering that defense. And Auburn fans obviously know all about Cadillac and Zach Etheridge that we talked about with Nathan keeping that continuity. But Speaking of, uh, you know, continuity on the staff, there's so obviously new coaches to Auburn, but Hugh Freeze also brought a trio of coaches over, well, really four if you will, and and several more if you want to talk about analysts, but three full-time assistants, Josh Aldridge the linebacker coach, Jeremy Garrett the defensive line coach, and the tight ends coach Ben Agamayi, I'm sure I butchered that, but Staff continuity, guys that Hugh Freeze is comfortable with, did a good job at Liberty. Now they're working for Hugh Freeze on the Plains. Wesley McGriff, the crime dog, he's been all over the SEC, got him back on the Plains. And how about the offensive line coach, Jake Thornton, got him from Ole Miss. Ole Miss was – they led the, the SEC in rushing last year. They were number two in 2021. So, I mean, he did a hell of a job for Ole Miss. And he did a good job recruiting for the Rebels, too. Now he's Auburn's offensive line coach. And then last but not least, Marcus Davis, another coach that Nathan hit on, an Auburn grad. Georgia Southern was, a, I believe, number six in the country in pass offense last season, in his first season as the receivers coach. So you're getting an Auburn man, bringing him back to the family. This is another very, very impressive coaching staff that hugh freeze has assembled on the plains and again the commitment is there the fan base is there the facilities one of the best home environments in all the country not only the sec take my word for it auburn is going to be back playing at a high level before you know it and uh, i can't wait to see it but hey that's going to do it for this episode of the show. Like I said, Cousin Shane scheduled to be back on the next episode, and we're going to do a little little deep dive. We're already scheming up ways to make Monday's show entertaining, talk about all 16 SEC teams. So be on the lookout for that to start your week strong next week. But I do appreciate each and every one of you for hanging out. We'll catch you on the next one.